I love listening to y'all laugh when that plays uh, on Sundays. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Awesome, man. That was awesome. Hey, my name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, really glad that you're here with us today as uh, we continue in this series uh, called Come Together. And we began last week the whole idea, kind of the premise of this series that we're in right now uh, in the month of November is the idea that there's so much that divides us in the world and uh, the church can fall prey to that as well. And so we are looking at four different distinct things, four different ideas that will often divide us as a culture, as humans. And uh, last week we began by looking at how politics can divide us. Uh, we've just had uh, our, our midterm election, which was interesting and uh, fun and exciting. And I mentioned last week that some of you, um, maybe you hadn't been in church for a long time because you, you got tired of hearing about politics in church and you came back last week just in time. Uh, and uh, so I hope, uh, I hope we put a bow on that when we said that the church ought to come together behind the message of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified, because that's uh, what we stand for. Not a political party, not a political ideal, not a political candidate or candidates, but we stand for Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And uh, so this week, we turn our attention to something a little bit different. But before we dive in today, um, today is Veterans Day, and I want to honor our vets. And so if you're here today and you have served in the past or you are serving in the armed forces in the United States, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want you to stand. So I guess I am going to embarrass you for a second. But we want you to stand up this morning. If you're a veteran in this room or if you serve currently, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service. So very thankful, as Stephanie mentioned earlier, for the sacrifice and the service that you all have made uh, to allow us to have the freedom that we have in this country. And so we thank you so much for the service that you've given and are giving to, uh, to our country and for freedom's sake. And so thank you so much uh, for that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. Uh, I was thinking this week as I was preparing uh, for this message and over these past few weeks really that uh, part of the result and part of the reason that those of you who did serve, part of the reason you serve and part of the result of you serving is this word opportunity. And because of freedom, uh, we who live in a free country, we have great opportunity. Th this is the land of, of great hope and of great opportunity that someone who grew up in, in abject poverty can make something of themselves. Someone who went to the wrong school can have an opportunity uh, to better their education. Someone who grew up maybe in, in a home who, uh, where they struggled to put food on the table can uh, maybe have the opportunity to do that for their family and then maybe even pass it on to someone else. And so freedom means opportunity, and it means hope. And one of the things that, that I see in uh, America, and I see it all around the world, definitely saw it in Africa when I was there uh, last month, was this idea that there's this space in between the dreams and the plans and the goals that we as humans have, that people have, and the physical resources and opportunities that we have 
to do what we believe we were meant to do. There's this space in between that often uh, occurs and, and happens and exists between what we dream of doing and what reality says that we can do. And that creates a space in between us as humans. It often results in the difference between the haves and the have-nots. And so today I want to focus on the thing that divides us being different social economic issues that divide us, different backgrounds, different um, maybe you know, ideals that we may have or kind of a background that we may have that might divide us from someone else and how we as a church, we as Christians can come together under the mission that Jesus gave us and to kind of kick us off as a springboard today. I, I want to look at some numbers. These are numbers that I compiled over the past few weeks from different resources and kind of averaged them out and, and gave them, you know, kind of like why screen shot. This is kind of a 40,000 uh, view, look view of, of what we are facing just in our country. And if you think about these problems being problems in our country, they're exponentially uh, in most places in the world so much worse. In the United States of America, we have about 200 or 327 million people who live in this country of ours. And out of that 327 million, there are roughly 40 million people who live at or below the, the poverty line. 40 million. Let that sink in for a second. 40 million people here in this country have a gap between what maybe they thought life would be and what their dreams and goals were and what actually happened. 12% of our population lives at or below the poverty line. There are 18 million people in this country who are classified as being insecure in terms of putting food on the table. 18 million people. It seems like that shouldn't be that much in this country, in this developed Western world, but 5% of our population has trouble putting food on the table. And there are many, many more who have trouble, um, who struggle with it. They may not have like, as much trouble with it, but they struggle putting food on the table. There are 28 million people, roughly 8% of our population, that don't have proper health care coverage today. There are 218 million people who don't have a college degree. And while a college degree doesn't automatically you know, mean success, sometimes it's a great barrier. In many cases, it's a great barrier. There are 218 million people who don't have a college degree. And then this is the number that just kind of like sat with me for a long time over these past few weeks, that given all of those numbers, given the fact that there's 40 million people that live in poverty, 18 million people that are food insecure, 28 million people without health care coverage, 218 million people without college degrees, there are 240 million people who claim to be Christians in the United States. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, that's not possible that there are 240 million people that claim to be Christians in the United States. Well, I, there's a little caveat in that, and that is that claim to be. There are 240 million people that would categorize themselves as Christian. But I wonder how many of those people say that they're Christian in name only. Because if we do have 240 million people who are followers, listen to this church, who are followers of God's Son, Jesus Christ, 
and say that they want to follow the way that he lived and live in the truth that he decided, that he, he wrote, that he um, came to bring us, then we shouldn't have some of these other problems. Because Jesus said that he came not to be served, but to serve. 240 million people, the heaviness of that weighs on me because I think that some of these other numbers could be lowered if 240 million people would not be Christian just in name only, but would be Christian in the way that we live our lives. I have thought about this a lot, and I've wondered, is the church responsible for all the ills that we just you know, mentioned? Is the church solely responsible for all the poverty in the world? No. Is the church responsible for all those without health, proper health insurance? Absolutely not. Is the church fully responsible for um, those who don't have an education? Of course not. The church is not solely responsible for any of those things. But I just want to assert today that the church has lost its way in being a part of the solution to some of these problems. Because I think the church has lost its way in following the mission of Jesus, the one who came and died for us. I think the church has lost its, its part in the mission. You see, in the past, the local church led culture. It led culture in meeting the physical needs of the community. It led culture, but over time, the church has become detached to the needs of its community. And so other organizations have had to step up and fill the gap. I, I mentioned last week that I was a, um, a pre-law major. and in, in reality, I was pre-law, but I was government. And one of the things I came out of, of college with was this, was this idea, and I still believe this today, that the government shouldn't solve all the problems of society. And I was, I was pretty hard on that issue. But I have come to realize over the course of my 40-something years in life that, um, <laughs> that it's really not the government's fault or any other organization's fault. They're just trying to fill the gap that I believe that the church has lost over time. You see, for roughly 1,800 years, from the beginning of the church, from that time where it was just 12 disciples, and then it began to multiply in the first century, from that period of time up until not too long ago, the church really took on the responsibility to meet many of these needs. They did it because Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. They did it because they were following his example. They did it because the message of Jesus and the great commission of the church was to go into all the world and to help people understand, to, to proclaim the message of Jesus and, and, and baptize people. And the church had a foundation to do that because they were serving people. And so then when we talked to them about why Jesus came, man, we had a lot of reason to be trusted. But over time, I think the church has lost its mission to simply meet the needs of people like Jesus met the needs of people. I don't know if you realize this. If you've traveled at all around the world, particularly in Latin America and, and down in, in South America and Central America and the American Southwest, you'll often see these great missions that exist. And in a lot of cases, they are still missions, but in most cases, they've just become abandoned buildings, maybe 
Maybe it's a tourist spot on a map. Those missions were begun out of the church. They started, they were birthed from the church to reach and and to help people in the community that they were built in, to help feed those who were hungry, to help, um, help connect the poor, those who maybe were underemployed or unemployed to jobs, and to be able to educate people who really didn't have the opportunity to be educated. And so there are all these buildings, these great buildings that just sit there empty in many, many cases, because I believe the church has in large part abandoned her responsibility. I'm a huge soccer fan. Many of you know that. I'm a big Liverpool fan. We won this morning. Yes, I can't believe I know that. I should be embarrassed that I know that because the game was at 7 a.m., but I do. So anyway, they, um, technology, they, uh, many of these soccer clubs that now are some of um, the, like the world's most successful businesses didn't start out as, as soccer or football clubs. They began as missions of the church. In industrialized cities in the late 1800s and the early 1900s to go out into the community and reach these kids, these young kids who were were in trouble, and they would reach them, and they'd bring them in, and they would help them find purpose in life, and they used the medium of soccer to do so as part of the church. And unfortunately, long gone is the day that the church is so incredibly passionate about serving our community. But I'll tell you this, I'm very, very pleased, and I'm very proud to call myself your pastor, because I believe that you, Hilton Head Island Community Church, for the most part, demonstrate this extremely well. I think we as a church, for the most part, demonstrate and follow this really well. In fact, I believe it's, you know, my dream is is that um, Hilton Head Island Community Church is not the answer to all of society's problems, but that we would be like an organization that's, that's following the mission of Jesus to help connect people. It's this, our goal is to partner with organizations in our community who really meet those physical needs of our community because we have dozens of them in our community that do an amazing job meeting some of those needs that we talked about earlier. There are so many different organizations that we're a part of. In fact, you can go online and check them out. There's some listed behind me. I mean, look at this, Backpack Buddies who helps uh, families who don't have enough food on the table. They supply, and we actually help store some of the, the items that go in these backpacks for kids to take home so that they have food. Yes, right here in our community, there are kids, there are children, and there are families that go without food right here in this community. And so Backpack Buddies is a great example of someone who does that. Sandalwood Community Food Pantry, same thing. There's organizations um, like Family Promise who help house people in the midst of crisis. There's an organization like Kairos Prison Ministry, which we have about six men who today, as they told me last week, I won't be in church next week because I'm going to be in prison. And they are not incarcerated. They're in prison helping the inmates there and talking to them about the love of Jesus. And they're doing it through food. And there was a group of people who helped um, uh, cook food this week for the Kairos weekend that's happening at Ridgeland. 
And it's amazing, all these different organizations, the community Thanksgiving dinner, which helps bring together people across all socioeconomic, uh, on, the, on the socioeconomic spectrum. Um, I talked with Dave Bisbee last week, and he said, man, we have every spot filled. And this church, he said, my church was a huge part of filling every spot to be able to feed people coming up on Thanksgiving. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. I'm so thankful that I'm your pastor. But I got to tell you, if we ever as a church begin to buy into the lie that it's not our job, we've lost. We've lost. If we ever begin to buy into the lie that the institutional church unfortunately bought into centuries ago, that it's not our job to serve our community, then we have lost. And what's at stake is not only people's spiritual needs, but it's also the needs of those who we meet. It's their spiritual needs as well. It's not just their physical needs. See, the church alone, I don't believe, can meet all the physical needs of the community. But we, as a church, are responsible for doing our part. What can we do to to do our part? Well, I think there's a few things I think we can be a faithful financial supporter. How do we do that? We do it through our general fund. When you give to Hilton Head Island Community, 10 cents of every dollar is set aside to be able to help those partners and others around the world. I'd like to be a church that gets to 20 cents of every dollar one day. Wouldn't that be awesome? The 20 cents of every dollar goes right to missions partners, right to some of these community partners that help people all around the world and in our community. You can be a faithful financial supporter. And I want to stop and I want to thank those of you who are part of All In, who give week in and week out, who give every year, who tithe. Thank you for being a part of the solution. You see, I believe by doing that, you all are, are doing what we're talking about. You are following Jesus' command to go out there and to serve and to reach our community for him. What else can we do? What else can you do? Well, we can, vol- we can be a volunteer resource. I know many of these organizations would love to have just a little bit of, of time from some of you who may have a little extra time on your hands. Why don't you give one of them a call and find out how you can volunteer? And then the last way is really establish person-to-person connections for people in our church to these organizations. I love the fact that our groups, if you're a part of a group here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, um, Chris McBride has done a great job of establishing that um, we want you to serve at least once a semester. We want your group to serve. And I love hearing the stories. So someone came up to me last week and said, I cannot wait. Our group is going to be serving here in a few weeks around Thanksgiving, and I can't wait. And that man, brings me so much joy. That's what it's about, church. That's what it's about, Hilton Head Island Community Church. We can't alone meet all the physical needs of our community, but we are responsible, I believe, for doing our part by making it an integral part of what we do as a church, serving our community. Why? Why is that the case? Because at some point in time, Our faith needs to be put into action. What we believe, the truth that we're anchored to in God's word, needs to at some point in time bear the fruit. And that fruit often looks like serving the world 
around us. James talks about this. He comes right out of the gates in James 1, and he talks about the fact that faith without works is dead. What he doesn't say is he doesn't say that works is required for salvation. That is not what he's saying at all. If people ever tell you that, that's a false theology, it's a false belief about what James is saying. What he's saying there is, is that if you do believe, if you do have faith, that at some point in time, it's going to bear fruit. And then he goes into detail in verses 22 down through 25. He says this. He says, and he gives us this command, be doers, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, talking about the word of God, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, but forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love the picture that James paints here of someone who's just a hearer only and not a doer, of someone who looks in the mirror, because essentially what James is saying, and I love it because he said he, all right, ladies, because right, he's saying that we men, you know, we, like if we are someone who is just a hearer and not a doer, it's like we look in the mirror in the morning and we, we go, yeah, I just got out of bed and that's good enough. And then we go about our day. That's a pretty big mistake, isn't it? Ladies, is that a big mistake for us men to do that, all right? He says he here, right? Essentially what he's saying is, is if all we have is, is like the, the hearing of our faith, if all we're doing is taking it in and nothing ever comes of that, then our faith is really pointless. You see, I think part of the problem Part of the reason that the church has had to have other organizations step in and fill the gap is because the church for so long was so concerned about being right. And yes, we do have the responsibility to be right. Don't hear me saying that we don't have the responsibility to stand on the truth. We do. And my prayer is, is that every week, whether it's myself or Justin or one of our other communicators, that they stand on, on this platform and that the words that you hear being sung are rooted in the truth of God's word. That is important. But the church doesn't have to decide between the truth and service. We can do both. And for so long, the church has stood so strong on being right, that we've forgotten to serve those around us, those people that Jesus called us to serve in the way that Jesus served them. Jesus served with a relentless passion. He didn't stop the man that he brought sight from blindness and say, what do you believe about the Trinity? And based on your answer, I may or may not bring sight to your eyes. He didn't go to a wedding feast and ask the group there, are you Calvinists or are you Arminian? He saw that there was a need, and he turned water into wine. He didn't ask the man who was lame, 
what he believed about some kind of deep theological issue. He just healed him. And church, we can do both. We can stand on the truth of God's word. We can be a part of hearing the truth each and every Sunday. We can be a part of hearing the truth of God's word. When some of you who go to Roots are a part of Roots, I'd love to have you on Wednesday night as a part of Roots. We're, we're meeting this Wednesday and, the, and two weeks from now after Thanksgiving, and then we'll start again in January. Those of you who are part of a small group, man, you get rich teaching. You get rich study. You're a part of hearing the truth. But at some point in time, if you and I aren't, putting our faith into action, then what is it all for? The big idea, the bottom line today is this, that we can make a big difference with the space between when we turn our faith into action. It's the space between what people's dreams and opportunities are, what they believe that God has for their future, and what the reality of their situation is. We can help bridge that gap. And in doing so, bring our community together. We come together regardless of our socioeconomic backgrounds, regardless of what the difference is. So my question as we end today, and my point is a message of encouragement, but I want to ask you this question. What are you doing to close the space in between? What are you doing to serve your community? Are you doing enough are you doing anything to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to this world? See, when we do that, when we truly get that, when we continue the process of serving our world like Jesus did, then other agencies don't have to step in. Then the church can have a larger platform to tell the truth about why God sent his son to this world, to die the sins of the world so that we can have eternity in heaven with God when we die if we put our faith in him what are you doing to close the space between father God I pray that you would encourage us right now that your holy spirit would encourage especially those who are here in the sound of my voice and they've been doing these things they've been putting their faith into action they're not just hearers of the word they don't just glance at the mirror and go, yeah, that's good enough. They're really putting their faith into action. God, I pray that you would encourage those who are serving, whether they're doing it individually, whether they're doing it as a family, whether they're doing it as a group, God, whether they're doing it through one of our many partners in our community. God, I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would challenge them to continue the process of serving the way that you serve. But God, for those who are in the sound of my voice who maybe giving a minimum of their time, their talent, and their treasure to serve the world around them. Or maybe they're not doing anything at all. God, I pray that you would give them right now, in the strong name of Jesus, the courage and the ability to put their faith into action, to serve someone and fill that space in between. Maybe someone who doesn't have enough food or didn't go to the right school, or maybe doesn't have the right social norms, or who may be in need physically, who may be dealing with a severe illness. Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would allow us 
to stand strong. Yes, on the truth of your word, but also on the truth of your word that tells us to serve, to love, to care in the way that you loved and served and cared for us. God, may we do this without fear. And may we persevere in this mission. May we never give up. And God, may we serve everyone in our community across socioeconomic lines. God, in a way that brings a smile and pleases you, brings a smile to your face and pleases you. Give us the ability to do that. Send us out from this place with that mission. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.